0: Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this economics podcast. Hello and welcome back to episode 1 for one, I'm guessing, of, of the economics Podcast. If you're listening and you enjoy it, any comment. Make sure you use the hashtag, hashtag Dysonomics. It's on Spotify, it's on Soundclass and Apple Podcasts. It's all number of our pod, pod bay and all other weird places It should be there. So make sure you check me out on all platforms, tell a friend, tell a friend, all that good stuff. Also, the last three digits, me, my G Bolasol, financial wellness coach, and Lego True, all around creative and general, general annoying guy. We've got a podcast drops every Thursday called The Last Three Digits. We talk about money and everything in between. That's Bola's timeline, so shout out for that. Really, really funny, very conversational. Make sure you check all that stuff out. Um, I don't think I have anything else to plug for the streets. But anyway, a podcast I've been meaning to do for a minute, but I keep getting distracted by other topics. And it is on immigration. So I've done a podcast on immigration before. Um, so I've looked at the actual immigration numbers, the actual impact of migrants on the UK economy, some of the negatives, some of the positives, and... Can kind of address a lot of the fear-mongeriness out there because we know there's lots of propaganda. This week, I'm going to look more towards the Australian points-style system, which is what the UK is trying to emulate. I'm to look more closely to the UK points-style system just to give you more information of what the Australian government's trying to do and what our government is trying to do and likely to achieve, like, so on and so forth. So firstly... A points system is a way of sele- selecting labor migrants based on their characteristics. So you're looking at things like how proficient they are in certain languages, um, if they have relevant work experience. What is their educational qualifications? These, this point system is usually to select migrants, so you're kind of picking up, you're having a more bespoke selection of migrants for economic purposes. They're not really for like students, like international students or family migrants or refugees fleeing Syria and all them places there. It's more for the benefit of your economy. The best known examples are Canada, Australia, New Zealand. There's very, there's of course, of naturally every system and especially a point space system. Depending on where you are, there's different ways you can implement and devise these type of system. Obviously, there's going to be three key features to uh, uh, any points based system when you look at migration. So, applicants are given points for different characteristics, and their score on 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 a points test. This is used to decide whether they can migrate. Obviously, it won't be the only factor to consider, but it's going to be a very significant factor. So, if you score highly enough, then yeah, the man, like, you know what, yeah, you can come through the borders, isn't it? If your scores looking a bit higgy, it's tricky for you. There is also some flexibility about how applicants meet the criteria. So, if a person has a, has has less of one sort after quality, so e.g. skilled work experience, then okay, they don't have that much um, work experience in in nursing or that much work experience in bakery or whatnot. They can make out they can make up for it in another sector. Like so, let's say if they're fluent with English. So it's almost kind of like a balancing act. So let's say you have, do you know, like on FIFA ratings, like for those who play any f- sort of sports game, yeah, a defender uh, might have low dribbling stats, but because his anticipation stats, his jump stats are mad high, his rating might be an 88. Whereas if all his stats were bare low, he might be like a 65. Of course, that's out of 100. Some people planning to migrate for employment can also qualify for visa without having a job offer lined up in advance. So depending on their skill set or their job line, they might be able to secure a visa thing before having a job lined up. The vast majority of countries don't use a points-based system to set migrants, but they kind of rely on an employer-driven work visa system. I worked in an immigration law company um, before in in my previous working experience. And the amount of work visas that these companies were going through was insane. Absolutely insane. In these types of systems, any prospective uh, migrant must have a job offer lined up before they can, you know, have an employee willing to sponsor them. Otherwise, you're just sponsoring some random, random you entering the country. The gap between employer-driven systems and point-based ones in which migrants can move out of job. And job being lined up and patterned has narrowed over the past decade as some um, governments using the point system have tried to increase the role of employers easy okay cool, we're going to prioritise migrants if you've got a job offer, so if you're going to come to the country and you're already patterned of a job, okay cool, you're going to be one of the first in the queues because we're not going to have to worry about you maybe falling into crime or having to sustain you as another member of the public, you've come in, you want to be a taxpaying citizen, you're really going to have Going to be putting money back to the economy, you're going to be pound. Now, the Australian immigration policy. Australia operates with two immigration schemes the migration program and the humanitarian program. The migration program caters for economic migrants, and the humanitarian program, as you guessed, is more looking at refugees and displaced persons. If you look at the year 2013 to 2014, Australian capped non-humanitarian migrants at 190,000, including the dependents of skilled workers. In that period, Australia also welcomed approximately 20,000 people under the humanitarian program. So if you look in perspective, in recent years, we've seen figures like net migration in the UK. So that is, that's even including people that are leaving the UK was at over 4 million, like million, like 30,000 people, which is insane. If you look historically, the Australian Labour government elected in the 1970s decided migrants that would be granted a visa based on their personal attributes and ability to contribute to Australian society, most obviously through their occupational status. This previous policy, the previous policy before that, was largely based on race and ethnic basis, which obviously wouldn't have inherent biases, so obviously that had to get panned out because you can't be moving too mad at that openly anyway. The point system was formalized in 1989 when I was born. And that has gone and has gone through several versions, several updates coming to iOS. Um, it was recently updated in like nine years ago, so that's July 19, um, 2011. The migration program divides available visas into two broad classes, skilled workers and employer-sponsored. So how does this system work? The exact way points are allocated changes depending on policy and the labor market. But more often than not, an applicant picks a skilled occupation from a list and they need to score a minimum number of points otherwise it's techie. You submit your visa application online. This sounds hella like UCAS, you know. You submit your visa application online and you go through a series of checks, so personal, financial, contact details, identification documents, um, educational, uh, maybe qualification documents, employment, health and travel history. So currently, for an Australian visa, a skilled independent migrant will need 65 points. So here are some of the characteristics that can get you the most points. Age between 25 and 32 years, to get you 30 points. Obviously you're at prime working ages where you might not have dependents and in. High level of English language fluency, that gets you another up to 20 points. Eight or more years of skilled work experience that gets you twenty points. If you've worked for work in Australia, fifteen points for work overseas. Four more qualifications up to twenty points. If you've got a PhD, Even more to gamers. That obviously you, the more if you study in Australia, your qualification is going to be more valuable to Australia, so obviously you get more points for that. And extra points can be granted for translators, interpreters, and other things such as applicants whose partners meet the age, English, and occupational requirements. So, if we look at an example, a candidate who has never worked or studied in Australia could earn 70 points if they are 32 years old. That gets you 30 points. Spoke perfect English. That gets you 10 points. Had five years of skilled experience overseas. Another 10. And a recognised bachelor's degree. Another 15 points on top of that. And had a skilled partner. It gives you five. When 85 85 points are required. are required, a candidate who had not worked to study in Australia would struggle to score enough points to qualify unless they received the highest of sc- scores in every um, area. So it's really, really trying to tailor the candidates, not candidates, but the human beings that are entering your country to, to live and work. Now, the Australian government imposes its limits on the number of people who will be invited to apply for each occupation. Obviously, you don't want to overflow certain labour markets. Well, that's, that's, that's the alleged aim. So, and also, you don't want to have um, a particular occupation dominating routes into the country. So, for example, in 2018-2019 program year, the Australian government determined that in addition to any work, workers sponsored by employers or nominated by the state or territory government, it will be desirable to admit a maximum of 1,000 childcare centre managers, 1,220 2, 1, medical imaging professionals, and almost 4,000 management consultants. This means that the points required in higher and certain like accountants are like 95 points as of June last year. Auditors, another 90 points. Electronic, electronic engineers, 90 points. Not all, all migrants have to pass a points test, for example. There are different routes without, without any points test for people who have been nominated by an employer. So if you're going to come in and you want to be in one of these fields, you're going to have to score very high in terms of across the board, so your English, having the right degree, all the types of stuff. Another important um, aspect of this is a uh, migrant health. Australia also have health migrants um health requirements for their migrants. The reason for this is to minimize public health and safety risks to Australian community of course. Certain public expenditure on health and community service including social security benefits allowances and pensions and maintain access for Australian residents to health and community service. So you don't want your um, public health services and your um, sec- um, Social Security services to be bloated with um impulse of migrants as well. Influx of migrants, I'd say. Everyone applying for permanent visa needs to complete a medical check. So this is cl- includes a chest x-ray if you're older than 11 years old and a HIV test if you're older than 15 years old for obvious reasons. Only tuberculosis specifically precludes an applicant from meeting the health requirement. Though even, if, though even they might resume their application after treatment. Those or other conditions are assessed by visa officers on cost and impact of the treatment on Australian society before decision is made. So they're very intricate with who they let in. They're looking at how well can you speak English? Do you have a job pattern? What skills do you really have? How many years experience do you have? So we know if you're really skilled at that. Also, do you have qualifications? If so, where are they from? Is it reputable? And how healthy you are. So they're really, really trying to get a certain type of civilian in to kind of limit the impact and the strain, so they say, on their public services. So there's also a character test. (laughs) Australia has a mandatory character test, which means you can't escape it, for immigrants designed to exclude anyone with substantial criminal record or someone who's deemed a risk to the community. What is a? how do Australian well Australian point style system determine somebody who could be potentially a risk? Well, if you've been engaged in criminal conduct, if you harass, molest or intimidate or stalk another person, if you vilify a segment of the Australian community, if you incite discord in Australian community or, or in any part or any part, be a dangerous Australian community or any part of it, if you've been convicted or found guilty or had a charge proven for one or or more sexually-based offensive involving a child, you are subject to an adverse security assessment by Australian Security Intelligence Organisation, or you are subject to an interpol notice from which it is um, reasonable to infer that you are direct or indirect risk to the Australian community or segment of Australian community. So basically, you're a sex offender, you've got history of just doing bookie stuff criminally, or if you're like a national security risk. Those are some of the reasons that could pan you. But then again, be a danger to the Australian community that's very vague, so they can be quite bespoke in how they assess that. So, how much is this, this Shinde cost? Well, fees depend on the visa, but a skilled independent visa costs equivalent of four thousand Australian dollars, which is just over two thousand one hundred pounds. Most visas are processed within 18 months and allow applicants to work permanently and study anywhere in Australia, as well as sponsor eligible relatives for permanent residence. And if you're eligible, you can obtain Australian citizenship, so that's not that's not a small amount of money. That's 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 a lot of money. So, what's the pros and cons of that? Well, the points-based system used by Australia, Canada, and New Zealand all replaced colonial-era-style systems that explicitly discriminated between applicants based on race and ethnicity. This system is considered a bit more objective, a bit fairer, and the capping of number of certain visas allow countries to choose and consider what to be the best immigrants. However, it it is quite a narrow and kind of kind of linear kind of view on what contributes to a better society. And it could lean and some argue it could lean to brain waste, with surgeons ending up driving taxi, for example, if they're not enough positions to fill. Like those are some of the critiques. Now, since we're in the UK, let's round off and look at the UK situation. The the UK's immigration rules include something that is known as a points based system, but it is a points based system in name only. So, for non EU citizens, which the UK has always had the ability to determine, even in this before this whole Brexit monarchy, obviously with um, freedom of movement, we can't stop really or have the same amount of influence on determining who doesn't enter from the other EU national countries, but non EU. The UK has full autonomy. So for non-EU systems taking up a new job, the UK has employer-driven system, which is the norm across high-income countries, really. So this system is known as a two-tier, requires still workers to find an employer who's willing to sponsor them and fill a vacancy. The employer must meet, obviously, certain requirements as so advertised for the job in the UK and paying a regulated salary. So you're not just, you know, just trying to import in cheap work. The system does, does design does assign points across different type criteria but there's no flexibility on how to meet the candidates how to meet the criteria criteria for the candidates sorry so candidates for tier 2 generally visas must earn 70 points to qualify and there's only one way to do that by meeting all of the criteria this is different from Australia where if you're lacking in certain areas you can make up for it in another area kind of a relationship like if you're lacking in I don't know romance you might be able to make up for it in intimacy or I don't know being funny or I don't know being dependable or some shit UK, um, UK used to have a point system more similar to Australian model in the mid 2000s, which admitted non-EU migrants without job offers. This this was initially known as the High-Skilled Migrant Program, and later became the Tier One General of the point based system. The government closed it in 2010/11. What happened? David Cameron won the election, so that was the first time the Tories been in charge since probably 1997, not probably since 1997. So obviously they came in and like delete all that shit. However, citing the concern that some of the migrants selected were unemployed and only found in low-skilled occupations. So that's why they came in and said, you know, we're going to change this shit. So in summary, the UK already kind of has a system that's points-based, but it's just not as um, fluid as the immigration-style system. Obviously, Boris said that he wants to bring this in, so we're going to see more movements towards it. So yeah, that's it. I will talk more on this as we start to see more and more. Pretty Patel's moving a bit mad. We've seen issues with the Jamaican 50, which I want to do a podcast on. I want to actually get people from the Caribbean Um, before I talk on that. Do I mean? But yeah, please let me know what you think. Any any opinions on immigration system? What's right? What's wrong? If you think I'm wrong about anything, just hit me up on Twitter at unschoolnomics, Instagram at dissonomicspod. Make sure you follow on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Check out the last three digits and also don't forget Trending Sundays. Until next week, later. Sports Social Podcast Network.